morning. Great to see you in worship this morning. You know, I noticed about a year ago, or maybe it was a little more than a year and a half ago, I started to notice a word that we would use often, or I noticed more, and, and maybe it was just me being, you know, disconnected or something, but I noticed the word we started to use, we, or we've used a lot, is this little uh, phrase, ish. We put ish on the back of a word, right? Like, um, I'll be there 7.30-ish, you know? And, uh, and really, we all know that's code for you're the one that's going to be late. It's going to be more like 8.30. So we're the ones that we tell you, like, if it starts at 6.30, we tell you it starts at 5.30. Because then you'll be, you know, that ish word. Um, there's even a, a, like a sitcom that came out, I noticed. I, I never, uh, like, sat down and watched it, but it, like, black-ish. Um, it's just a word that's popping up more and more, it seems to me. And I keep thinking, you know what? That word fits our culture so much, ish. You just can't really nail it down. Um, it's kind of here or there. You know, we got the gray scale here, right? It's kind of just ish, not either black nor white. It's, it's ish. I got to thinking about that more. I'm thinking, you know, wow, uh, that, that is so true of our culture. And what is the word, uh, what does it have to say about something like that? And, and this idea of ish. I can't nail you down, just kind of ish. Don't hold, me, don't hold me to 7.30, maybe 7.30, you know, ish. I kept thinking about this, and uh, obviously I wanted to, to frame a, uh, a series around it. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to look at some, some, uh, some ish things, true-ish things. Uh, that come out of our culture, and what does what do the scriptures have to say about those things? Um, it's gonna it's gonna get fun. We're gonna talk about some things like um, the whole judging thing. You know, that's a huge that's ish things. Um, but we'll, we'll have fun with it. But I want to start the whole series with this this video, and I also want to kind of start the whole series with uh, some information or some talk about some things that we won't talk about the next three weeks, but they kind of lay the foundation for what we need to know uh, about this whole thing. And so uh, I want to show you a video first, then we'll talk about it. To answer that question, we set up a hidden camera experiment to see if this woman would stand up at the sound of this tone simply because everyone else is. You might be thinking you'd never go along with this. Or would you? After just three beeps, and without knowing why she's doing it, this woman is now conforming perfectly to the group. But what happens if we take the group away? Elaine, please. Okay, now she's alone, the crowd is gone, and nobody is watching her, except our hidden cameras. What do you think she'll do? She 
she's now conforming to the rules of the group without them even being there. Now, watch what happens when we introduce another outsider who doesn't know the rules. Have a seat and they'll be out in just a couple minutes. Great, thanks. thanks so much. Think she'll teach the new guy what to do? We kept the cameras rolling as more unsuspecting patients arrived. Slowly but surely, what began as a random rule for this woman has now become the social norm for everyone in this waiting room. That's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> I gotta be honest, I have watched that a number of times and thought, there's no way. Uh, you ever watch Brain Games, though, on National Geographic Channel? How many of you watch Brain Games? There were some in the first, right? This stuff happens. Uh, like they'll do all sorts of hidden camera and, and behavioral things and it's amazing that stuff like this happens. Why I wanted to show you that is it, it sets the scene for what I want to talk about and now my iPad's messing up but um, uh, conformity uh, in this particular thing is something that uh, you know innately our nature wants to do. In fact, these guys will talk later, if you watch that episode, they'll talk about the fact that our brain like rewards conformity and it, 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 uh, it, it shrinks away from being different. It doesn't, it doesn't give us a, as positive of a feeling when we don't conform, when we're nonconformist. Yet, the people that we admire the most are nonconformists. People who have changed the world, who do things, are nonconformists. We admire them, but yet it's very difficult for us at times. We don't want to do that, by and large. And they even had that later on, I didn't want to show the whole thing, but one guy who just, you could tell, he just kept looking around like, what in the world? And he was not doing it. I mean, they stood like three or four times. Finally, you know what he did? He stood up. And why that's important is because the scriptures, um, uh, obviously they're a book that uh, t talks about this idea of truth, right? Um, Pilate said, or hold on, I want, to, I want to every week share this phrase with you. You know, the longer I live and the longer I'm in pastoral ministry, I'm more convinced of this statement every day. What you believe determines how you behave. What you believe determines how you behave. I've been doing this not very long, but long enough that I can, I'm, I, I, 
I'm getting better at this, but if I can listen a little bit to what somebody believes, I can already start to map out their behavior patterns. Uh, it's just so true. What you believe ultimately determines how you behave. And why this, is, this matters is <clears throat> Pilate asked the question for all time, right? Remember at the trial of Jesus? Um, as he's trying to discern who are you, Jesus, and, and what should I do with you, and why should I do this, why are they upset about you, and Jesus talks, has a discourse with him. In the middle of that discourse, Pilate asks this simple question. He says, what is truth, right? What is truth? The question for all ages, what is truth? And yet, the scriptures continue to give us this picture that um, truth and true and false are in this way. John eight forty four says it this way. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So Pilate's asking the question that all of us ask, what is truth? And yet the scriptures reveal to us that in this world that we live in and in other places the scripture tell us that this, the devil, is the ruler of this world right now. He is over this world. I don't know if you realize that, but he is. He's the prince of this world. He has a certain amount of control in this world. And always his agenda has been to sow lies into every structure, philosophy, system of this world. It's what he has always been doing, right? Look at the garden. Three chapters in, what is he doing? He's sowing a lie. He's sowing an untruth. He's trying to, to cause Eve to begin to doubt to look at the goodness, the providence, the care of God as something that is not there. And so, uh, as we go into this series and we talk about truish statements and truish ideas, remember, I think what I want us to, to grab a hold of is, hey, how you think is how you will behave, absolutely. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he, right? And as you think, you will behave. And yet the world we live in is held captive to the one who is in control of it right now. And he is all about lies. He's a father of lies. It's just like he, he, he literally can't speak any other language. I had a best friend growing up uh, that we were really close. And um, if I told you the story of his life, I'd take the whole time. Um, but... He, uh, he was just a con man from the very go. <laughs> I remember as a teenager, I would sit there in maze. I'd be with him somewhere, and he'd be conning somebody. I mean, literally just telling them a story, what they wanted to hear or what he could get. Put it this way, he ended up in a federal penitentiary for 
flying planes, taking people places as a pilot, and he never had gotten his pilot's license. He had figured out a way to falsify a pilot's license. He had stolen, he had driven a luxury exotic car off a car lot one time passing himself off as this. He was, it's just, his life was a con job, right? I mean, literally, I got used to it as one of his best friends. I just knew, I just sat there and kind of, you know, like, he's not telling the truth. You know, people are just buying it. That's who he was. Well, guess what? The devil is a con man. Everything he says or what he's trying to do is, uh, is trying to con us. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. In fact, you look at our fallen, broken world and it's been built on his lies, his system of lies. It, 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 it's, it's what is the, uh, the backbone of everything that happens in the world built on the lies of the devil. In fact, I mean, it's all around us, right? Um, you walk into a grocery store, and if you're attentive, of course, most of us now, I'm just trying to find the aisle, you know? Like, it takes me forever in a grocery store. I'm not used to that. I don't, the pasta, you think it'd be simple, but it takes Nicole 10 minutes, I'm still, like, looking around. But if you're looking around in a grocery store, you walk through, you are, you are being sold uh, certain things, if you walk by the magazine rack, you're sold that if you want to be important, if you want to have value, if you want to be significant, you should look like this, or you should have that, or you should, right? Turn on, watch the TV. Commercials are all the time trying to sell us things that are they true or are they not? our world's bought into that, and that's why we're broken. That's why we're a mess. That's why we're hurting. Our world's a mess, built on this system of lies from the enemy. You know, he's, he's cunning. In fact, the scriptures say he's an angel of light. He'll come as an angel of light. And he's not gonna tell you a lie. A lot of times it's so outlandish that you're not going to look at it and go, well, that's, that's stupid. There's no way that's true. He's a counterfeiter. He's the ultimate counterfeiter. He's gonna give you something that looks true or has some truth to it, feels true, something that we could call truish, truish. Um, because he knows that if it looks true, feels true, sounds true, he knows that if you take it just even the slightest bit um, over time, over a lifetime of traveling through life uh, with these, these things that often people wake up very, very, very far from the truth. I wanna just tell you, I. Two things I wanna, wanna want to uh, bring out because it's the tagline of the series. Truish, objective truth in a relative world. Two of the biggest lies he's sowing right now in our culture is this idea of relativism. Relativism, it's this assumption that there is no such thing as absolute truth. Truth is evolving, truth is not constant. Right? You've probably picked up on this, right? Absolutely. Uh, it started, at, I know you think, well, that's always been around. Maybe not, not as much as you think. You know, in the 19th century, it was that German uh, uh, 
philosopher Hegel who kind of created this scenario where if there's a thesis and then there's an antithesis and they come together, then something new happens out of it. There's a synthesis and there's a new thing. And literally that became the groundwork for us to question truth and think if this and this comes together, then we can have new truth, new things, new, and what it's done is it, yeah, that's true. And the way maybe some of the world works out and, you know, but really what it's done is it's went to the heart of what truth is. And now most people believe that truth is evolving and it's not constant. You say, Chip, you're preaching to the choir today. You know? Um, I'm amazed when I look at the numbers when they survey Christians. That stuff like this, I think I saw a number, 43%. 43% of born-again Christians believe that truth evolves or changes. It's a lot. It's, it's, and so, maybe not so much in your life. I, 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 I want you to start thinking about this. Is truth constant to me? Because relativism, relativism is a lie he has sown into our culture and all around us, it's what's believed. The other is subjectivism. Uh, it's the belief that I, the subject, have the right to determine what is right and wrong without submitting to any authority outside of myself. Since there is no absolute truth, you can't impose your beliefs on me and I become the source of truth. I'll determine if I'm right or wrong based on maybe things like how I feel um, or my background or what I've seen and subjectivism leads me to these beliefs that I am ultimately the one that determines things. And it's along these lines of things like if it feels good, it must be true. And as long as it makes me happy, that's all that matters. And you know what? In those things, sure, there's, a, there's a, the desire to feel good, right? There's a desire to be happy. There's no doubt. And you know what? The scriptures teach that God uh, desires things like that for us. At different, at different times. But yet, when we, when we take something that might have some truth to it and we run with the lie of the enemy, we end up here where literally we live in a relative, subjective world. Are you with me? Yeah. All right. So, before we jump into one of those things today, I would remind you what Proverbs 14, 12 says, the Bible uh, says that there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. And so, it matters what we think. It matters what we think, because guess what? It will ultimately determine how you behave. Absolutely. Tell me what you believe, and I'll tell you your behavior patterns in so many ways. Um, you know, and so often, it, it looks good, it seems there's some truth to it, it and yet it's kind of like the frog, right? I've never done this to a frog. Um, I don't know if I could, but uh, and anyway, I shouldn't have said that because now you're gonna think I'm like no hunting guy or something like that. I'm not that at all, but I, I, have you ever done this? They tell me it absolutely is true that you can put a frog in water and a certain temperature and then you adjust it and it, it adjusts, right? 
and you keep turning it up and the frog just stays there trying to adjust to the temperature until finally what happens? Yeah, it's a complete readjustment. (laughs) And that's what's happening. The enemy of our soul is trying to sow lies into everything around us. Often it is so subtly trying to cause us to think in ways that cause us to back off of the objective truth. What is the objective truth? Well, it's like this. John, John does a great job. You know, if if Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, or Matthew, Mark, and Luke were kind of telling the story, maybe different audiences, but trying to tell the story to certain people, John's really interested in what did Jesus say? I mean, he spends chapters just quoting Jesus. Like, you turn to John 13, 14, 15, it literally looks like this. There's no stories to that, right? It's all red letters. And so John's really, this is the guy who tells us the I am statements that Jesus gave. The I am this, I am that. Showing who Jesus is. And in that, John talks about this whole idea of truth. Um, And he puts it this way. That truth is not just a what. It's a who. Who? It's not just a philosophy, a mindset, an idea, a statement, something you learn from a book. It's not just a philosophy that someone teaches you in a school. It's not just a what, but a who. It's a person. Truth resides in a person. He shares it like this when he introduces Jesus in John 1.14. He says this, the word became flesh and he made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father who was what? Full of grace and truth. So Jesus is full of truth. And in fact, he goes farther, Jesus goes farther in John fourteen six when he says these words, I am the way and I know about the truth, can share the truth with you, Well, you could do those things, right? But he literally embodies, he takes in himself this idea that he is the truth and the life. And this phrase that so many people skip over, no one comes to the Father except through me. And he continues to open this idea that he's the truth. It's a person. It's a person of Jesus Christ and what he's about. In fact, at John 8, 31 and 32, I only have 32 up there, but he's saying, listen, if you continue in my teachings, this is what he says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So right here, we have Jesus claiming to be the truth. He is full of truth. He is the truth. He has a truth that will set us free. In fact, he says words in John like, when I leave and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit because I'm not with you anymore, I, but the Holy Spirit will come into your life. What is the, the objective, the mission of the Holy Spirit? To guide you into all truth, Right? This is what he's doing. This is who he is. And you know, it's like Lewis says, either this guy is a liar, he's he's just a legend that we made up, the disciples, he's a lunatic, or he's Lord. Now, if I said the things Jesus said, 
you would think I was two of those things. A liar and probably a lunatic, right? But you know what? Jesus paid off everything he said. In his death and resurrection, he absolutely proved who he was. No one else made the claims he did and no one else did the thing he did to back up his claim. So he's got to be the fourth, which is Lord. He has to be the truth. And he's calling us to live life with his truth, his Holy Spirit in us, living a life that is true. Because all around us, the, the enemy of our soul is sowing lies into our and it's everywhere. And in fact, as I have examined my own life, as I've walked with the Lord, I have absolutely walked with the Lord and yet believed the lies of the enemy about certain parts of my life. And it was only as the Lord began to reveal through his word, through his truth, through his Holy Spirit, this isn't the way it is. And so let's look at one of those things because we all, maybe there are things in our lives that um, we're buying into the lie of the enemy and most of the time it comes in truish type ways. Some truth to it but not complete truth. The first one I want to look at today just shortly, right, is sincerity is enough. That's a truish statement. Sincerity is enough. Now if you're like me, I don't really like to be around insincere people. I don't like fake, phony people, right? I'm sure none of you probably like that. We like sincere people, right? Sincerity. But yet, what has so often happened is things like this. You know what? It doesn't matter what one believes or practices in religion as long as he or she is sincere. Um, you've even probably heard this. It doesn't matter if you believe in Jesus, Buddha, Muhammad. As long as your belief is sincere, I mean, what more could God want than a sincere heart? In fact, people will point out, listen, they're sincere about their faith and you Christians aren't even sincere. They, 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 they must be even better with God because they're sincere. Have you heard that? I don't know how many funerals I've sat through when they've told me that this person was sincere. But is it enough? Right? Well, guess what? All around us, that is the belief. That is the lie that has been sown into our, our world that if you're sincere, it's enough. You've heard the, the old statement. I've heard it. Uh, hell is paved with good intentions. Absolutely. Because guess what? Really, we want to use that when we talk about people and their beliefs. But we really don't believe that in any other area of our life, right? Um, if you decide to go skydiving, <laughs> I'm sure you're not as interested in the fact that the guy who told you that the parachutes would work was sincere. Right? What I want to know and the reason why I still haven't been skydiving, I want to guarantee that those parachutes are real. They're true. They work, right? 
Guy can tell me all day long, and he's so sincere, and he's so well-intentioned about, but yet I don't skydive because I don't know. There's, no, there's not been a guarantee yet that I'm not gonna like be the guy who's 300 feet from the ground and realize I'm meeting Jesus. <laughs> right? We choose our doctors, our babysitters, our accountant, not on the basis of sincerity, we base it on the, the idea that they might have been sincere, but are they real? Are they true? Can they get done what needs to happen? We also don't we, don't, we don't, we don't really believe this in the rest of our life. And I would say that sincerity is not enough also because if sincerity is the deciding factor for knowing truth, experiencing truth, meeting God, then if sincerity is enough, it's a part of it, then it would cause my efforts, it puts the onus on me to merit God's salvation, right? This is where this world goes all the way into, well, he was a good person and his good outweighed his bad and he had good intentions and all this stuff. Is sincerity enough? See, it's a truish statement. Yeah, the scriptures talk about a sincere heart, right? Being sincere, being honest, absolutely. Sincerity is a part of who God wants us to be. But I would say this statement, sincerity is necessary, but it's not sufficient. It's necessary, but it's not sufficient. What is sufficient is the reality that God through Christ Jesus is enough. That my sincerity needs to rest in my complete faith and trust in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so the truism all around us is we're sincere people, then we'll be all right and God will wash it out, God will figure it out. The reality is, the true statement is, is your faith and trust resting right now in the person of Jesus Christ? And are you living in relationship to him? That's the reality. Um, it's like Jesus said this, John chapter eight. Again, John is just full of this stuff. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you did not what? Believe that I am he. Sincerity's good. Sincerity's necessary. Sincerity is not sufficient. <laughs> it's not enough. It's what is your sincere faith and trust placed in. You see, these are the kind of things that dot our world all over the place. And the lies of the enemy of our soul who tries to, to do his best to cause us to not experience the freeing truth of Jesus Christ. The abundant life that Jesus has for us. I'm gonna sow lies, I'm gonna sow half-truths, I'm gonna sow these truish things into their life. And one of those is sincerity is enough. No, it's not. No, it's not. Sincere faith and trust 
and a relationship with Jesus Christ is what matters. Let's stand. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I've, I've recognized this in my own life. The enemy of my soul has sown lies into our world and even into my heart at times. And I've believed things that were not truth. And Lord, as you've shown them to me, as your words revealed them to me, and and that's why we're here, preaching the word, is to cause us to think about what the word says and cause the truth to be proclaimed and ultimately to set us free from the lies of the enemy of our soul. And Lord, I've been there. I've, I've even been there since I've been a pastor. I have believed a lie of the enemy, thought something to be because the world around me told me or I gauged by the world around me or I, and Lord, your truth began to show me. Listen, that's not even true. That's not real. That's not what I'm about. Stop. Stop trying or stop comparing or stop this. Trust me. Allow my Holy Spirit to guide you into all truth. So Lord, help us to know completely this morning that being a sincere person is not enough. Being a, having a sincere faith and trust in Jesus Christ is. Lord, help us to embrace that. And Lord, as we go through these next few weeks, open our hearts because the enemy has come to do three things, to rob, kill, and destroy in our lives. And Lord, yet you've said, But if you'll follow my teachings, if you'll know me, I have come to set you free. So Lord, help us to embrace these things, to open our hearts and minds to what you might say to us and be free from the lies of this world. Go with each one from this place. May they have a blessed day and a blessed week, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
Father, any source of fear in our lives, we proclaim in the name of Jesus Christ that it get behind us, that the cross would be before us, that we would trust in you, that we would not give fear foothold in our lives. These things we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, we proclaim, amen. Have a great Sunday. See you next week.